Hey guys, and welcome to the Abundance Alchemist podcast. I'm Caitlin Dorsey, an Abundance Alchemist, animal lover, trauma survivor to thriver, mindset expert, self-love junkie, and author. This is the place to be to grab those powerful tools, ideas, and inspiration to make lasting changes in yourself and your life. No more waiting, my friends, because it's time to show up unapologetically, radiate that confidence, and create a life you absolutely love. Time to buckle up and dive on in. Hello, my high-fiving friends. I am so excited you are here today, and I have an amazing guest to introduce, as always. Um, today, we're going to be chatting with Michael Cohen. He is a cer- IFC certified life coach who wakes up each morning with a simple purpose to help others rediscover their powerful inner strengths and give clients and students the tools they need to make more meaningful decisions to aim higher and elevate their life. In 2015, he founded the Elevate Life Project, an online community for people to rediscover their true selves and gain the skills they need to move forward and find lasting success. He is a host of the Elevate Life Project podcast, a show dedicated to helping listeners develop a positive mindset, a rejuvenated outlook for themselves and their future, rediscovering that they are spiritual beings and any dream a person wants in life is possible. Michael is dedicated to helping his clients and students find balance in all aspects of their lives, emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical well-being. He feels his purpose is to serve others through his teaching by encouraging students and clients to become steadfast in their practices while integrating spiritual and mindful living in their day-to-day lives to achieve achieve their goals, live their dreams, and achieve the impossible. So welcome, Michael. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, Yeah. I'm excited to have you. Um, So we'll start by just kind of sharing. I know I shared a little bit about you, uh, but tell me kind of how you got to the work you're doing today. Well, it's not going to be. So, you know, my first iteration was I worked in New York City. I worked in corporate America. I worked for various real estate investment trusts where I did everything from leasing, sales, marketing, to the point where I became a director for a company and I was making a quarter million dollars a year. Mm. Good life. Mm-hmm. Lived in New York City, had a brownstone apartment. Good life. Mm. Looked in the mirror and I did not recognize the person be looking back at me. Mm. And, you know, on paper, if you saw me, you thought I was a happy person. But behind closed doors, I was functioning by... Uh, living off of pharmaceuticals before the pharmaceutical pandemic. So because I had really good health insurance, I had three doctors prescribe to me different medicines for back pain. I had Mm -hmm. two doctors prescribe me for anxiety. And I had two doctors prescribe medicine for ADHD, which I do have. Mm. And so every morning I would wake up and I would bump a bump lines of Adderall or Folkland. And every afternoon I would do it again. And I would take anxiety. Xanax is I was freaking out, come home and take Vicodin in the evening and drink to go to sleep. Mm. And a friend of mine pulled me aside and said, you're going to die of a heart attack if you don't make any changes. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right, well, you know, I, I trust you and you always have my back. So I went to see a therapist who turned out to be a yoga teacher also who recommended that I try yoga as a way to reduce my stress and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with the practice. And this was, you know, 20 years ago. This was like 20 years ago, almost Mm -hmm. now. This was when you can say, or like 15 years ago, excuse me. You can say this was when, this was like the final era before yoga became mainstream. Mm -hmm. So this was when, you know, people who practiced yoga were like, a counterculture movement. All we did is yoga and I just fell in love with the practice. Next thing you know, I shaved my head. I was mm-hmm. aspiring to be a monk. And mm-hmm. 
things shifted when I met my wife. So I decided mm-hmm. to, you know, figure out how I can make a living while being spiritual. Mm-hmm. And I reflected back on my education and realized that I have a master's in psychology. So how can I use that master's as an adult? And I went out and got some coaching certifications and built this online business. Wow, that is incredible. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing your journey and the vulnerability behind it. Um, you know, obviously my background is in addiction and mental health counseling. So um, I hear your story or, you know, a similar type of story a lot. Um, but I appreciate kind of the point that you got to and that you have shifted it into, you know, how can I get back and how can I use that to help others live the life that they would like to live? Yeah, I mean... My original goal was to be a therapist when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Lost my way. Yeah. And I just was listening to what other people were telling me to do. Mm-hmm. You know, get a job, climb the corporate ladder, uh, fit in, buy things. And they were all things that were just tearing me apart inside. And I'm not against owning nice things. Mm-hmm. What we were talking about before we started the show, I, I bought a new car. I bought mm-hmm. a... You know, I bought a nice Nissan Rogue. It's mm-hmm. not a cheap car. It's a nice mm-hmm. car to drive. Right. So there's nothing wrong with having nice, nice things. It just was that's what defined me. Mm-hmm. It was, it was this, it was basically what most people live by mm-hmm. is is this analyst thing of, you know, I I go out and work to buy things, which is no no different than when we were hunter-gatherers, when we went out to hunt things to bring home and kill. Mm-hmm. And that's all I did. It was this, how can I get through this pain to find pleasure? And as mm-hmm. fast as possible, instead of asking the question, which is, what am I doing? And is this a life that is in line with me? And if this isn't, what do I need to shift to? Mm-hmm. The problem is that I went through, and I think most people go through, when we get to that phase, whether it's when we're in high school or when we're 45, we are breaking up the status quo of the people around us who don't necessarily want us to change because then it's a reflection of their own lack of desire to be their authentic self. Mm -hmm. So we just live these lives of quiet desperation. And I just chose not to any longer, but I chose to do it in another way through yoga, meditation, mindfulness. And that's how I got to where I'm at. I love that. Yeah, I think, you know, there is this big piece that you pointed out of this, well, I can't have nice things or, you know, I shouldn't, if I'm spiritual, then I shouldn't want these other things or, you know, the more third dimensional humanistic things. But we are humans and we do want those things, but we have to figure out how to make meaning behind it. And I think that you had this term that you use and it was, um, the weapons of mass distraction. And I'm curious if this <laughs> yeah. is kind of what we're talking about. Um, is is that what you mean by the weapons of mass distraction? Well, I think every 20 to 50 years, us as a, as a human collective go through a change in how we need to interpret intelligence. Prior to the last 10 years, intelligence was examined by your ability to retain facts and regurgitate information. Mm -hmm. I think we're shifting to a new form of intelligence where intelligence is both the ability to receive information and be able to discern what is valuable for me 
and discard the things that are not valuable to me, while in simulcast, be able to read information, retain information, and be able to discern which is real mm-hmm. and which is fake. Mm-hmm. And right now we're at a stage where we are overloaded with that information and we don't know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So we are become overwhelmed with the 24-hour news cycle. We're overwhelmed with social media. We're overwhelmed with mo- the, the unlimited choices to watch television. I have Netflix. I have Disney+. Plus. I have Amazon Prime. I have Peacock. I have Paramount. The list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. And so because we have all this information coming to us, it becomes the mass big weapon of mass distraction. Mm-hmm. And the big debate that everybody always has is what do we do with all this information? Mm-hmm. Because if we look at the world that we are living in today, the average person in the world is wealthier than someone who lived a hundred years ago, who was a king of a country. We have access to cell phones and technology. We have more entertainment and information at our fingertips than people a hundred years ago ever had. Most of us have indoor plumbing. We have running water. There are definitely parts of the world that do not, Mm -hmm. but by and large, the people listening to this podcast have those things. Mm -hmm. What do we do with it? Right, we no longer have to survive and and to to live. We no longer have to work eighteen hour days if we weren't the aristocratic elite. So now we have all this free time on our hands, and we think with that free time that we're going to go out and better ourselves, hmm. but we don't. We use all this free time to get distracted by crap TV social media, and 24-hour news crap that just tells us that the world is bad, that there's something wrong with you, and the only way for you to find happiness is to buy something, take this pill, or kill the person who doesn't agree with you. Mm. And that's the weapons of mass distraction. We have to learn to evolve away from that mindset where we shift away from this information overload to asking the question of, is this information going to make me a better person? And am I going to leave the world better? That is a person's natural state. Mm -hmm. As a group, though, in group mindset, that is not who we are. And that leads to all the turmoil and hardship and isolation and loneliness that we've we feel more now than ever. And it all comes to that overload of information. Yeah, absolutely. I recently just, um, I cannot remember for the life of me where I read it, but it was a study that showed, you know, are we better off with all this new information because we have access to everything at our fingertips. And the research showed not only no, are we not, but it showed how it actually impedes the ability for us as individuals to make decisions because we have so many outside perspectives that we have such a hard time listening to our intuition now because of all that noise and these stories that we adopt as our own that it actually impedes our own growth and our decision-making, which keeps us stuck in where we're at. We don't allow ourselves that time for reflection and introspection. I mean, Mm -hmm. basic coaching one-on-one, Nine times out of 10, when I'm starting to work with a client, 
after I sort of like go through the the standard beginning assessment mm-hmm. and before we start establishing goals, I will ask the client, what do you do in the morning? Mm-hmm. It's the first question I usually ask. And they're always like, what do you mean? I'm like, what do you do first thing in the morning? And pretty much everybody from the 20 something who has more time on their hands than they need to the overworked mom, to the stressed out dad wakes up. First thing they do is they check their phone. Mm -hmm. Then they go and do the things that they need to do in the day responsibility wise. If it's getting the kids up for school or it's just starting their work day and they just go all day. Mm -hmm. Then they come home and they're back on their phone or they're back on their TV and they go to bed. Mm -hmm. And then they wake up at some point every five to 10 years and they're like, something's wrong. I don't feel good. I don't like what I'm doing. I don't like my life. I don't like my job. Something's wrong. Mm-hmm. But instead of saying, well, what does that mean? We put our heads back down and then 10 years go by again. And then we look up again and we're like, who's this person that I was married to for the last 15 years? I have nothing in common with her except for we live together and we raised these two people who I barely know. Mm. And then we put our heads back down and then we look up again. And it's this autopilot that we go on because we feel that there, if we don't do that, that somehow we have to then allow that space to begin to do that self-reflection. And that self-reflection is painful, mm-hmm. right? It's not easy. It's 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 easier to numb out than reflect on, do I feel good? Mm-hmm. Do I, am I happy, right? Do I find happiness in my day or am I just miserable? And that is that overload of information that we go back to where you ask the question, like, is this good for us? If we use it properly, information is very good for us. Like having information is wonderful. Mm-hmm. I, I, I get to read psychology trade publications at the tip mm-hmm. of my finger. I get to read self-help books at the tip of my finger. I get to listen to wonderful music. I get to connect with people all over the world having these amazing conversations. Mm-hmm. It's the ability to filter that information and not think it's our new reality. The mm. problem is so many people think it's our new reality and it's not. Most of it's just crap. Mm-hmm. So true. Yeah. I think that, you know, just listening to this idea, even like, you know, the word self-help that stuck out to me um, because that's where, yeah, I can see you shaking your head. So that is so much of where we go to this place when you're saying, you know, that we look down and another 10 years pass. Sometimes we have these little things in that five year where we wake up and we say, okay, something's wrong. I need to read a self-help book because somebody else has the answer. And then you get this lovely self-help book that has a billion different things that you need to implement in your everyday life to make your life perfect. And so tell me about this idea between toxic self-help and really the journey of growth and self-discovery. What's the difference? Yeah, I have a big pet. This is one of my many pet peeves of of my industry as a life coach. It's Mm -hmm. this, it's, I get it. It sells, it creates Instagram followings. It, it gets people to want to subscribe to whatever you're doing. Look, whoever you are listening, there is nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. You're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. The things that you're dealing with aren't problems that you have to fix or overcome. That's toxic self-help, right? It's this idea that I'm dealing with this problem and somehow something's wrong with me and I'm a bad person. 
that's only going to make things worse. Mm -hmm. Yes, some of us need to see a therapist, but there's Mm -hmm. still nothing wrong with you if you need to see a therapist. Some of us need to go on a spiritual journey and develop mindfulness practices. Some of us need to develop other issues in our lives and other skills like being a better communicator. There's nothing wrong with you still. It's this idea of we're not living this perfect life where we're happy all the time that somehow something's wrong with it, that we don't wake up at 4 a.m. and we're not having the most powerful two hours in the morning of meditation and working out and exercising. And then we're drinking a smoothie and pounding a shake and then working at the great job that is the most filling job in the world. And our wife or husband is super in shape and our kids are amazing that somehow we're a failure. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's toxic self-help. And I can't stand it. And it's something I constantly am railing against. You are perfect in your imperfections, whoever you are. Mm -hmm. The goal in life is not to look at your challenges as something that's wrong. The goal is to look at your life and say, okay, these are the things that I like about my life. It could be as simple as I like the fact that I wake up in the morning and get a drink, a cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. It's one of my pleasures. And the goal is to look at the things in your life that aren't working and not look at them as something that's wrong with you, but to look at them and say, all right, these are the things that I'm not happy with, kind of suck. What can I do about it? Mm. What can I work on here? And we don't need to work on all of it. We can pick one thing and say, all right, maybe somehow I got into massive credit card debt and I owe $30,000 to the credit cards and I owe $10,000 to the IRS because a business I started failed. Well, it kind of sucks. There's nothing wrong with you. You can fix it. Everybody can. Just don't look for the quick, quick, don't look for the quick schemes. Do the work. Mm -hmm. Recognize that there's nothing wrong with you and ask yourself, where can I grow from here? What is the lessons and how can I change who I am based on this? Not who I am as a person, but how I'm living my life. Mm-hmm. I love I, that. I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, it's just like, I hate all of it. I hate the, you know, the hustle, like you got to hustle or the person on that's on YouTube. That's like, look at my Lambo or my private jet. And I'm like, it's all fake. It's all mm-hmm. crap. It's all bullshit. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, if like, like stop, like. It's like, I'm a life coach. Most people never heard of me. Mm-hmm. I work full-time from home. This is all I do. Mm-hmm. I'm not on stage talking to millions of people. And I'm happy. And I love my life. I'm not always happy. Mm-hmm. I don't wake up every day going, yay. But I find joy in what I do. And before I was doing this, I found joy in my wife. I used to be a full-time yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. I used to travel to, I used to do 50,000 miles a year driving in New Jersey. I did not love that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I found joy in my companionship with my wife. That is this idea that if we're not living this best life, or we're not, you know, living a concierge life that very few people get to live, that somehow we're failing. Mm-hmm. Right, we have to shift that mindset that if you're just living a decent life, whether it's you're living in an apartment or you're living in a house or you're living, it's fine. You're good. You're all you're good. Mm-hmm. And stop worrying. Yeah, I think that's such a huge point. You know, there's just a couple of things that really stuck out to me in that piece, and one of them was um, 
first of all, gosh, driving 50,000 miles in Jersey. I uh, used to work in Newark and I can't even, I cannot handle the roads. It's a whole different world in Colorado versus driving in New Jersey. The next part that really stuck out to me is that idea, right? Of the first thing that people are doing is jumping on their phones, jumping on social media, perpetuating this idea of you're not enough. Look at my life. Look at what I have. And then the second part that it really made me think about is that piece where you're saying you're not broken. Oof, this drives me nuts too. Um, I work as an independent contractor for counseling at one of um, a place here local. And I was asked to help write some of their clinical mission and value um, kind of statements. And um, one of the, my coworkers wrote one um, and nothing you know wrong with them, but they wrote something about how I want the vision to be everyone is fully healed. And I, that just made me cringe. And I responded and I said, you know, that implies that people are broken. That implies that there's something to wrong with them and they have to fix themselves. And that was the whole thing that you were going on of, you know, let's find a place that helps people feel comfortable or feel supported and happy in where they're currently at, because that is the truth. And it is a cliche saying of, you know, tomorrow's gone and you don't have tomorrow or I'm sorry, yesterday's gone tomorrow. You don't have, you only have today, but really what you're talking about is this power of like being happy in the sense of letting what else, the outside surrounding and noise go away to come back to where we're at. And I want to say that with this idea, you have another term that I think we're leading into of intentional laziness. And I'm curious <laughs> if you can tell me about that. <laughs> well, I was going to talk about something else, but we'll do both if that's okay, okay with perfect. You. <laughs> All right. So like intentional laziness is really this simply put, it's like, I think with it comes to this idea of the hustle culture. Mm-hmm. It's the grind it out. And, you know, and it, I mean, I run my own business. I'm a full-time mm-hmm. life coach. I usually start my day at 8.30 in the morning mm-hmm. coaching. I usually finish my day. My last call usually ends at 7.30 at night. Mm-hmm. So that's 11 hours a day. And I do that five days a week. I'm really working hard. Mm-hmm. But... I don't always have those days. And when if I'm working and I start to get brain fog or I start to burn out, or I start to feel like I'm not like at my best, mm-hmm. I shut down. And I'm okay with that. If I need a Saturday where I'm just sitting at home watching Netflix, mm-hmm. that does not make me lazy. It's something I need sometimes. Mm-hmm. If I feel like I, if I, it's this idea that if I, you, you're wasting your life, if you play video games, you're wasting your life. If you're watching TV, you're wasting, it's always this judgmental idea mm-hmm. and of like somehow that you are doing something wrong because the person that's telling you is somehow their best version of themselves. If you're not feeling up to it, take a break. That's intentional laziness. It's the ability to step back shut down and just pause. My wife and I cause it, cause it, call it life pausing. Mm. Whether it's an hour, a day, it does not matter because the work's going to be there tomorrow. Mm-hmm. The errands are going to need to be run. Mm-hmm. The chores, the bills, they're all going to need to get done. Sometimes you just need to be intentional in your laziness and step away. And you need to have the courage to tell who, if you're married or not, and you have a life partner or not, You have to have the courage to say to someone, say, hi, I'm overwhelmed. I need a a time where I'm just sitting in bed watching TV. I need to be okay with not 
going to the kids' soccer game or baseball game this Saturday because I'm really overwhelmed and stressed out. And mm-hmm. I just need that pause. And that does not make me a bad person. Yeah. Asking for help. Sorry, I want to put a shameless plug in there real quick because I can feel it as a mom, those moms saying, well, I don't have time to do that or I can't do that. Yes, you can because there is somebody or you can step away for two minutes, put your kid in their crib or you know a pack and play or somewhere safe and step away and take a breath. Because like you're saying, Michael is talking about that life pause is okay for no matter, as he said, five minutes, an hour, a day. Yes, you can ask for help. That's all my shameless talk. You keep going. But I wanted to say, yeah, I felt that come up in me. <laughs> yeah. Stop trying to be this perfect person because you're not going to ever be perfect. Mm-hmm. Instead, always aspire to be great. Mm-hmm. Because like, it's it's this, like one of the things that I really am fortunate that I got to spend the better part of my 30s really before I met my wife, who I love to death, and before, and I had no responsibilities and I got to like pack it all in and really focus on yoga and spirituality. I got to really study with some great masters. Like I got to have moments with the Dalai Lama. I got to have moments with His Holiness Radha Swami. I had got to have moments with great yoga teachers. Mm. And one of the things that I really learned that I love about spirituality, and spirituality does not mean Eastern philosophy. Spirituality means, am I living a good life? Am I a good person? What does this mean? this life I'm living. And when I die, where am I going? And what does that mean? That's spirituality. It's asking the questions. Mm. We equate spirituality a lot of times with the good philosophy, the good religion, the Eastern religion. And we, 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 we equate Western religion as the bad one in this world, right? Mm -hmm. They're both just as good. My teacher who is a Hindu monk takes lessons from the Bible and Pope St. Francis or Pope or St. Francis all the time. They're all equal in their mes- message. They're all equal in their, in their, in their teachings, but they all have this one fundamental truth. That one fundamental truth that we are all going to experience is one thing. We're all going to die. Mm. One day you will not be here. And one day I will not be here. And chances are one day this podcast will no longer be around. Mm-hmm. Right. There are no more, uh, no one really owns VHS anymore. Mm-hmm. One day this will not be here in this platform. So with that in mind, what's that mean if we're all going to die? It means that we live in a world of change, that we live in a world that is constantly changing. Our jobs, our homes, our career, our marriage, our relationships, the life that we live, the country that we live in is always going to be changing. But we cling to this idea because we live in this world of change because we know deep down that we're going to die. But we think inside that it's not going to happen to us, right? We live this life that, oh, I know everybody's going to die intellectually. But emotionally, we don't think that. Mm -hmm. So we cling to this idea that our lives have to be permanent. So then what do we do? We try to be happy all the time. And that's impossible. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, if we're dealing with stress or hardship or any sort of emotional trauma that we deem negative, that's going to happen to us all the time. The goal is to see both the hard parts of our lives, the negative emotions, 
and the positive emotions, happiness, joy, as the same. To recognize that they're both changing at all times, right? This is why whenever my wife and I are talking and my wife will be like, how are you feeling? Or I'll ask her how she's feeling. She never says to me, I'm happy, I'm sad, or I'm anxious. And I never say, I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm anxious. We say, I'm experiencing this emotion right now. Mm -hmm. Because when we say we're experiencing that emotion, we know that that is also passing. So that when we're out having a good time and we're happy, we're not like, oh, this is what we're supposed to feel all the time. We go, that's what I'm experiencing now. And then when we're dealing with sadness, we experience sadness. But we know that's not always going to be there. That everything that we experience is always changing. And when we can shift to that mindset, then we no longer have to deal with all this, something's wrong with us, the life we're living is bad, the world's bad. We recognize that everything's changing. We're okay with that. I'll be happy some days. I'll be sad some days and there's nothing wrong with me because I'm experiencing either or. Mm, Absolutely. I had a conversation with one of my clients um, today, actually, about this idea of every single emotion has a healthy space in someone's life because we're supposed to experience a range of emotion. That's why it's a continuum, right? That's why we shift back and forth, which is exactly what you're saying. And we get so caught up in like you said, I have to be happy all the time or my life has to be perfect because that's what I see on those highlight reels. Uh, but the truth is it's not. And it's not like that for anybody. Even when you mentioned like, you know, taking advice from somebody that's the best version of themselves, my reaction was nobody's the best version of themselves. Right. We're all striving, right? Which I, you know, obviously you were kind of leading to that, but this kind of idea of we can continue striving but there's also no destination. We get really stuck in this destination of I'll reach, I'm happy all the time, and my life will be perfect. And we don't. Never going to happen. But that doesn't mean that we can't experience happiness. Right. And we can work hard mm-hmm. so that we experience happiness more often. Right. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I, you know, so like a client will ask me like, well, what's that mean? If I'm, if I'm not going to experience happiness all the time, What's the purpose then? And I said, the purpose is to find fulfillment. The goal is not, it, and and then they're like, okay, so I got to find a fulfillment in my job. I'm like, no. The idea that you have to have this great job or somehow you're a failure. Like, you know, like when I talk to like friends where they're like, oh, it's Monday. I got to mm-hmm. go back to work. It's mm-hmm. like, what are you going to do with your day if you don't have to go back to work? You'd be bored that's why everybody lost their minds during covid because they didn't have anything to do mm-hmm. and they were like they were like oh my god this is what it means not to work right this is what do i do then then i'm gonna i'm gonna play video games make drink alcohol bake bread and freak out <laughs> right and so it's like the goal is to find fulfillment mm-hmm. and your job doesn't have to be what finds you fulfillment your job could be what gives you the ability to find fulfillment and not trying to be tied to your emotions that Monday through Friday is bad because I got to go to an office where I have to do a, a job that, it, or I have to go to a factory or a warehouse or, and I have to do a job that I don't love. And mm-hmm. somehow I failed in life and the weekend is good because I get to go out to the bar, go out to dinner and have fun. Mm-hmm. And we have to sit there and say, how can I bring fulfillment to my life? How can I make life meaningful? whether it's to be a member of our church 
or synagogue or religious community or to be a good parent or just mm-hmm. to be a good friend. That can mm-hmm. be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. You can just be a good friend. Yeah, that is really powerful. You know, I think um, we also look for that one thing. Like you said, the job's going to bring me fulfillment. And I think, yeah, really figuring out that there's every different thing in your life that can bring fulfillment in different ways. And I love that you highlighted that topic of we all went crazy. What were you going to do with your day anyways? Because I... I got so much pushback in kind of the mom shaming community, right? Of this idea when I became a mom that I didn't want to be a stay-at-home mom. And I got this pushback of like, you don't love your kid that much then. And that is 100% untrue. But I also feel fulfilled by my job and a career and having that. And it doesn't mean I love my son any less, but again, I find fulfillment in both. So I love that you pointed that piece out of like, just because, you know, there's, you choose one or the other doesn't mean you can't find fulfillment in bunch of different places, it doesn't have to come from just the source of a job or just the source of what you're doing on the weekends while you make bread. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody dabbled in something during COVID. Mm-hmm. And I think we also have to just understand, and I know people don't like talking about, we're not emotionally out of it yet. Like mm-hmm. I like a lot of my clients, I am still coaching them on functioning in in communities again and understanding that the outside world outside your home is not supposed to be the same as when you're at the inside world like Mm -hmm. you have a different way of you have to behave differently when you're in public places and it's you know like i i talked to my wife about this it's like we all because because of all this social media we all live these very narcissistic lives now mm-hmm. where if we are not treated the best and we are not getting our space that we want all the time in public, something's wrong and we start freaking out. I was at my gym the other day and I go to a very nice gym. I go to mm-hmm. a, a very high-end gym and I was in the gym. And there was a guy in the gym and the policy of the gym, because it's really high end, is if your kid is under eight, you're not supposed to use the adult locker room. I think it's a good policy because Mm -hmm. do you really want your kid to be running around as a bunch of adult men or changing and hanging out in the hot tub and, you know, shaving and Mm -hmm. taking showers and like. And so this 19-year-old kid went up to this person and said, excuse me, sir, you have two little kids in the adult locker room. They're not supposed to be in here. You're supposed to use the family changing room. And the guy flipped out on him and was Mm -hmm. like, I spend $900 a month at this gym and all the activities because there's a daycare and there's a swim club Mm -hmm. and the list goes on. And I literally was watching this guy just scream and yell at this guy. And I... When it ended, I was talking to my friend. I'm like, people have to realize this is not your living room. This is not mm-hmm. your home. This is a place that you go where there's 40 other people in the locker room. Maybe we're not comfortable with your four kids in the locker room, two, four, and six, and eight running around as I'm changing. I don't mm-hmm. have kids. Mm-hmm. Right? It's true. So we have, right? I'm not kid shaming or anything. Mm-hmm. It's just we have to understand that when we're out in public, the standard that we have at home is not the same. We have right. to take it down a notch. We have to breathe. We have to come to terms with that new acceptance in this world and just slow it down again. 
find patience, find courtesy. And even that person next to you is being a total jerk. Doesn't mean you have to react to it because right. it's not going to be there forever that day. It's just fleeting once again. Well, Michael, I know we're running out of time, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for coming on. Um, I will put all of Michael's information in the episode notes for our guests. And um, thank you so much for spending time with us. I know that your guys' time is valuable um, and I will talk to you guys all soon. Thanks again, Michael. Thank you for hanging out with me on the Abundance Alchemist podcast. Don't forget to head over and grab your free self-love activation meditation at theabundancealchemist.com and hit subscribe here so you don't miss a thing. Until next time, sending you so much love.